Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon. How are you, wherever you are? Thank you for making us a part of your afternoon on this Monday, October 3rd, the year 2022. As it was um, not such a good weekend for our home teams other than for the LSU Tigers. The Saints, well... 10 penalties for 102 yards, two fumbles, and still they had a chance to tie the ball game late. And poor Will Lutz from 61. Doink, double doink, and down. The Saints lead the NFL in giveaways with 11, and they lead the NFL in penalties with 34. Thus, the New Orleans Saints are where they are, which is a major disappointment at 1-3 and in the NFC South. And I know everybody's going to complain, and there's some some validity to it. The Vikings received five first downs via a penalty on Sunday. The Saints didn't get a single one, plain and simple. There are now six teams ranked in the Week 6 Associated Press Poll. Alabama's number one, Georgia number two, The Tennessee Volunteers come to Tiger Stadium Saturday for 11 a.m. kickoff, and they are at number eight. The Ole Miss Rebels beat Kentucky. They move up to number nine. The Wildcats of Kentucky drop down to number 13. Mississippi State, with their win over Texas A&M, gets at number 23. And speaking of that, Mike Leach was asked, why does he have such success against Texas A&M? He's something like, nine and four or nine and three against them quoting Mike Leach. And boy, is this a, a damnation against Jimbo Fisher quote, not really sure. I've not really had to do much. They always line up in a three man front and they also give away what they're going to do. So truthfully, they have just handed to me time and time again. Wow. Mississippi State at number 23 and making their first appearance in the top 25, the LSU Tigers coming in at number 25. Arkansas is at number 29. Florida at number 31. Texas A&M is at number 38. The opening line came out Sunday for the LSU-Tennessee game. It was um, Tennessee was favored by four. That has since now dropped to minus two in favor of the vowels. So we will um, delve into that. Speaking of um, the Saints, uh, excuse me, the LSU Tigers, boy, again, they they fell behind, right? They fell behind like they seem to, to always do, uh, this time by 17 points. So against a Tennessee team that's averaging 48 and a half points per game, LSU is going to have to get off to a better start offensively. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. But unlike the past where nothing ever changed, well, LSU certainly made some changes 
as they adjusted during the game. And um, as Brian Kelly said, uh, boy, they tightened things up in the second half. Look, I, I think you saw the same game I did, right? We let the quarterback out. He scrambled. We were not good on the back end. We broke down onto some coverages, so we cleaned some things up in communication. We did some things that uh, we hadn't done. We were cutting some crossers and doing some things that just were not fundamentally uh, part of our package. Um, had some communication issues. Joe was starting for his first time back there, and uh, we got we got the communication cleaned up in the back the, the back half. Um, Howard's playing it, you know, a, a lot out in space, and, and and they made some plays too. Now, you know, they hit some they hit some uh, seam routes, and BJ Ojolari is in good position. We deflect the ball. They made some plays too, so give Auburn some credit in the passing game. But we cleaned some things up at halftime, uh, made some adjustments and some coverages, um, and and certainly tightened some things up. If they play like that again for the next month, they'll be zero and four. They'll be 0-4. First SEC game, LSU trailed Mississippi State 13-zip in the second quarter. They came back to win it 31-13. Tightened up defensively, kept Mississippi State out of the end zone. Saturday night, trailed Auburn 17-zip in the second quarter. Held Auburn out of the end zone, held them scoreless the rest of the way. They come back, roar back to win it 21-17. So in roughly the first 29 minutes, against Mississippi State in the first 23 minutes against Auburn, LSU was outscored 30-zip. Conversely, and that's bad, right? Conversely, in the last 31 minutes against State and the last 37 minutes against Auburn, it scored the opposite, outscored the opposition 52-3, to and that's really good. So is that a team that's not well-prepared to start the game? Or what is it? What is it? And if that is the case, and that's something you have to blame on coaches and players alike. Um, but the truth is that before the games were halfway over, LSU started to turn things around and they were dominant the rest of the way. And so that credit has to be shared equally amongst the players and the coaches as well. But if LSU starts against Tennessee the way it started against State and Auburn, they may not have enough time to come back and duplicate the turnarounds it's already had. Tennessee's good now, 48 and a half points a game. Uh, you know, they are who they are, right? You are what your record says you are. Um, by the way, I wonder if CBS is regretting not taking LSU Tennessee as part of their doubleheader. You know they are. Who cares about Auburn, Georgia? Who cares? Come on. Terrible. AM, Alabama? How bad is that? That's all because of the fight. The, the brouhaha, the verbal brouhaha between Jimbo Fisher and uh, Nick Saban. Alabama's going to kill him. I don't care. I mean, I want to see Bryce Young back because I think he's a great player. But even without him, Alabama's going to destroy him. Destroy them. Trust me. Um, so anyway, Tennessee LSU is the best game out there. I don't know if LSU can come back from a double-digit deficit against the Tennessee Volunteers. So we'll delve into that. Uh, greatly today, our regular cast and crew on a Monday, Chris Roseverglue, will go over uh, the New Orleans Saints. Man, defensive secondary. I, that's what I was scared to death about. Uh, if you go back and roll the tapes from last week, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and those guys are good. And Marshawn Lattimore, you just got a lesson in welcome to a great 
receiver because Justin Jefferson took you to school, took you to school. And Adam Thielen, time after time after time, yet the Saints still had a chance. And yes, they were undermanned. And yes, they didn't have Kamara and they didn't have Michael Thomas and they didn't have Jameis Winston and on and on and on and on. These guys are getting paid. Backups getting paid a lot too. So I don't want to hear all that, but the Saints are one and three and they are just not a good football team. They don't play smart. Now they play hard. They battle. They just don't play smart and they don't play good. They're not a smart football team. Oh, I can see. I can see the Sean Payton's out there and I'm one of them. It's different. It's just different. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk with Glenn West. Uh, as he always comes in around 2.30 about LSU and uh, and what um, Brian Kelly had to say today, which was very, very intriguing and interesting. Um, LSU didn't even throw for 100 yards. And that's not going to cut it. And it's almost like all those interceptions that Jaden Daniels threw a year ago at Arizona State has gotten him just a little bit uh, gun-shy. Maybe he's not taking those chances. He's not letting it rip. Well, that's going to change. It's got to change. You got to throw the ball down the field. And we'll talk about this wide receiver room. And we'll talk about Kayshawn Booty, um, who, look, they drop passes. Um, they, they just did a bunch of things that I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, and, and the passes weren't that great, but look, they've got to get better across the board. One thing, seven banks injured on the first play, uh, and he got called for a targeting play on it as well. Had to go to the hospital, flew back with the team. He has a bruised spinal cord, according to coach Brian Kelly, which all things considered is great news. After he was carted off the field, Kelly said that banks will be out five to six weeks but everything else looked good. So thank goodness for that. Did that have a, an effect on him? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Brian Kelly did, did say good things about Kayshawn Booty. Uh, slow start to the season. Quote, he controls what he can control. He does it in practice, and he does it in games, and he was happy we won the football game. He's handled it the right way, and he continues to work for this team. Hmm. Okay. Okay. The run game has certainly improved. There's no question about that. Um, Lord John Emery looked good. He looked good in that game. Uh, they're averaging six yards per carry in the second half in those two SEC games when they turned things around and got back in the fight, got the lead and won. So the team fights hard. They do all those things, but they got to get better throwing the football. No question. Uh, so 11 o'clock kickoff Saturday against Tennessee. It's, it was announced today that LSU will play Florida in Gainesville. That will be a six o'clock start uh, our time a week from this Saturday. B.J. Ogilari named the SEC Defensive Lineman Player of the Week. So it was his play, chasing down the running back, causing the fumble for the scoop and score that got LSU back and up and running. Another heartbreaker for the Raging Cajuns. They come down. They tie the game. 42 seconds left. They can't stop South Alabama. South Alabama comes, kicks a field goal at the horn, 
and beats the, uh, the Cajuns, who have now lost three in a row. Got to stop them. Um, McNeese went to San Antonio, got beat by um, Incarnate Word, who piled it on late. They didn't do the sportsmanship thing. They're throwing passes at the end, up with the game out of control. Lindsey Scott Jr., fifth school in seven years. He's got to be 40 years old by now. God bless him. Well, we'll talk about that with Jim Gazzola. Blake Rafino will join us as well for more on the LSU Tigers. So there you have it. Oh, I've got I've got a story for you before we get going. Uh, this is the, you know, we are the sportsman's paradise in Louisiana. It's on our license plate, or it used to be. Well, here's one for you. The director at a Cleveland fishing tournament became suspicious when the five fish he estimated to be about 20 pounds total weighed in at nearly 34 pounds. So he opened them up. And then he saw weights that were planted inside the fish. So these fishermen trying to win, and they've done this, whoever they are, they've done this time and time and time again, have been putting weights in fish and winning these tournaments. And ooh, you talk about some some upset fishermen in this world, and rightly so. Well, they're, they're going to jail. They're going to be in some kind of trouble. So the things that people will do to win, it is absolutely mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. All right, let's take a timeout. When we come back, one and three, professional football. Saints aren't good. They just aren't good. We'll talk about it with Chris Rose of Glue. After this timeout, the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, we are back after the Saints lose a heartbreaker in London, 28-25, after Will Lutz kicked a 60-yarder. Uh, he came back to take a 61-er to send it to overtime, double-doinked it, and just missed it. Um, but the Saints are what they are. They're 1-3 and, and and reeling and struggling and um, not playing very well. With that in mind, uh, let's join get uh, – our guest, uh, Chris Roseverglue, who's a podcaster for Boot Crew Media, amongst the many, many things he does. You can follow him at, at Roseverglue Report, R-O-S-V-O-G-L-O-U Report. All right, Chris, um, the good thing about the game was it was on early. We got it over with. Other than that, man, too many penalties, too many turnovers, just not playing smart. How are you today? Yeah, I'd be doing much better, Jordy, if they ended up winning that game. And, you know, the way you talk about it, and you're absolutely right, if you go back and look, there were so many moments that I thought, the Saints should be winning this game, the Saints should be winning this game. And at the end of the day, final score, final whistles blown, and another loss third in a row. And a lot of it's just self-inflicted wounds. You talk about the turnovers, you talk about the penalties, 
some questionable clock management. A lot of that are things that can be corrected, but we haven't seen them be corrected over the last three weeks, which is cause for concern. But it's one of those games where I rewatched it this morning. I think there are more positive takeaways today than there were from the Panthers' loss or even the Buccaneers' loss. But, you know, a loss is a loss, and you are what your yeah. record says you are sometimes. In this case, the Saints do look like a 1-3 and three team. God, make me feel better um, uh, for a team that leads the NFL in offensive turnovers loss with 11, a team that ranks second in offensive penalties with 34, a team that gave up five first downs thanks to penalties to the Vikings. So give me give me something that's good. What, what did you see that you saw that was an improvement over the games that you mentioned? Yeah, I think the first thing that really stands out to me, Jordy, is the offensive line, what they did in terms of getting the push and, and creating those openings. You look at Latavius Murray, who some people thought, hey, is Latavius Murray even good enough to still, still be in the NFL? He comes out there, 11 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown, over five yards per carry. He looked great. And part of the reason was the openings they were creating early on in the trenches and getting that initial push and rewatching this game. I don't want to say off of one game a player turned the corner, but this is over the last three games. I think Cesar Ruiz is starting to show signs of why the Saints drafted him in the first round. And if he continues to play at this level, that makes you feel a lot better about that O-line because the right tackle to center spot, those three, you feel really comfortable with. And I was thoroughly impressed with what he did, and I thought because of that you saw the ground game get going. And if they can replicate that with Alvin Kamara back in the lineup eventually – then I imagine this is a rushing attack that can really anchor this offense, and then they can build everything off of that. So that was one thing for me. And another thing that I left from this game really impressed with was Will Lutz. And I know that's hard to say, right, because of the double blink and missing it, but he makes the 60-yarder initially. And let's be real, had the Saints gained one or two more yards that they were trying to get with those short passes in the last 12 seconds, Will Lutz makes another 60-yarder or, you know, deep 50-yard field goal. And for a guy who was struggling the last couple of weeks, I think that will be a confidence booster for him. So those were two main ones there. And then Chris Olave, he looks like a quarterback-proof player right now. It doesn't matter if it's Jameis or Dalton, he gets his production. So, you know, a tough loss, but I think those are things that, you, that can move forward, and we could see that maybe in the Seattle game. Boy, they are banged up. They're not healthy. How is, how is Vegas so good? Minnesota's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. They win by three. It's amazing how, how spot on they are with these things. It's, it's absolutely incredible. All right, on the flip side, my goodness. Um, I mean, everybody has a bad day every now and then. And look, I think Justin Jefferson is in the top three wide receivers in all of football. I don't know how you stop the dude. And Marshawn Lattimore couldn't do it. But the secondary, I, God, the honey badger, geez, missing tackles and being out of position and he just didn't play very well at all. You know, what was so weird for me, Jordy, and, and you mentioned the Justin Jefferson thing. I know a lot of people are going to be worried. Hey, is Marshawn all right? I, I sometimes it might seem very simple, but I just chalk it up to, hey, it was their best versus the Saints best. And that's right. Their best ended up having the better day, and that certainly was the case. But what really concerned me throughout the game at times were the mismatches that were being created. There were moments where Justin Jefferson was lined up against Demario Davis or Pete Werner or Adam Thielen lined up against Demario Davis. And look, yep. I love Demario and Pete Werner. That That is one of the better linebacker duos you'll find in all of the NFL, not just in the NFC South. And I think those are just mismatches that coaching can do a better job of making sure that doesn't happen. And that really concerned me. But, you know, I look at this game, Kirk Cousins – 
there were times where he did struggle, and that's really with the defensive line. I think if they can be a little bit more consistent with generating pressure, that'll alleviate some of the, the secondary woes. But I think the absence of Marcus May is, is starting to become a legitimate thing. And I didn't watch this game, and, and, and my takeaway wasn't, oh, the defense was struggling, and if they had a better defense, they'd be fine. I really looked at it and said, you know, oh, Marcus May, insert him back into that lineup. You'll see that physicality that they are missing. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned those missed tackles. I think he would help shore that up. And I think it would just take some of the pressure off of Tyron Matthew, who, granted, struggled but did have that, that interception that kind of switched the momentum early on yeah. in the game. So I think they're just missing those pieces right there. And if Marcus May comes back, I think this unit will get going. And I highly doubt we'll see a performance as bad as this one for Marshawn Lattimore. So you, you, you still think at 1-3, and three, um, last time they went 1-3, and three, I think was back in, I don't know, golly, what, it, it was a while back, and they ended up going 7-9 and nine for, for the season uh, back in 2016. Uh, and they went seven and nine the last time New Orleans closed with a losing record. Is this season salvageable? Do you think this team can turn this thing around? And are the playoffs out of out of reach? Well, you know, to, to answer all three of those questions, for first, I do think this season is salvageable. But again, do I think they'll do it is, is really the main question. And I can't right. sit here today and tell you that I definitely think they can because they have to prove it to us, you know, and that all starts with getting back in the win column. And if they can beat Seattle, then maybe we can see, can they beat Cincinnati and, and maybe string together a couple of wins? And I'll say this, the schedule is not nearly as daunting as it once looked games against the Bengals, the Raiders, the Cardinals, those before the season started, I looked into that and I said, man, that is a really tough slate. And yeah. now I look at it and you say, if the Saints can just stop turning over the football and stop committing all these self-inflicted wounds, those games can be had. I think that is possible, but they have to prove it to us. And as for the playoff thing, obviously it goes hand in hand as to whether or not the Saints can string some momentum here. But right. realistically, who, who in the NFC scares you right now? I know Philly looks great, and, and that's the one team that I think has really stood out from the bunch. But you look at the NFC West, that's supposed to be a loaded division. If the 49ers beat the Rams tonight, then the leader in that division is 2-2. Two and two. If you look at the Correct. NFC North, granted the Packers and Vikings are both 3-1, and one, but the Saints were a couple of mistakes away from beating Minnesota and Green Bay. They struggled against a third-string quarterback. And then I look at the NFC East. You know, I mentioned the Eagles, and they look dynamic, but the Giants are kind of a, right now, 3-1. and one, That's a great start for them, but they play the Packers and the Ravens coming up. I think they'll fall back, back to earth. And Dallas... You know, they're, they're playing well right now with Cooper Rush, but I don't know how sustainable that is. So I, I don't think playoffs right now, no one really wants to talk about it because they haven't earned right. the right to be in that conversation. But right. I, I think it's too soon to kind of say that out because you, you mentioned it, the NFC South, two and two is your division leader right now. He is Chris Rose for glue. Um, Saints offense has got to turn this thing around somehow, some way. Yes, they miss Kamara. Yes, they miss Michael Thomas. Um, but... There's something to miss here, and and Jameis Winston, I guess. Um, what is the what is the long term prognosis on all these injuries? Do we know? Yeah. So for Michael Thomas's situation, I, I was never told it was anything serious, and and I don't know if that means you know it was a maintenance week, get him right, and he'll be ready next week, or maybe one more week off and he's back for Cincinnati. But from from what I've understood. It's not something that's going to keep him out much longer. Now, if he suffers a setback, that changes the whole thing right now, but we're not under the belief he has suffered a setback, so I wouldn't be surprised if he starts practicing later this week, and if not, maybe it's one more week off and we see him for Cincinnati, but I would expect him to be back on the field soon. The Camara thing is really one of those situations where this could change week to week, and it's really frustrating. There's no guarantee 
when we could say, oh, for multiple weeks you'll have Alvin Kamara at your disposal. I, I don't think it's that simple because he felt good going into the Panthers game, left the Panthers game, felt okay on Wednesday, and then Thursday and Friday he was, I know they put him down as limited on the practice report, he really didn't do much. And as soon as Friday's practice finished, I, I spoke to a couple people and they were like, yeah, get ready to expect Kamara to miss this game. And I said, okay, that, that's not ideal. So I think for his situation with the rib cartilage fracture, it's so complicated and it's a pain tolerance thing. And it comes down to him playing a tough position for it. Because Justin Herbert right now, a quarterback, if you can you avoid him taking hits, he's playing with the same injury. But Alvin doesn't have that luxury. And you got to protect your, your midsection when you're running with the football. So I wouldn't be surprised if we have to do a week-to-week thing with Alvin Kamara and figure out just how is he feeling on a given basis. Chris Roserglue with his expert analysis of the Saints. Um costly penalties at inopportune times. I mean, and, and look, I think Saints fans do have a right to gripe a little bit because some of those calls were 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 outrageous. Ten penalties for the Saints, 102 yards, only five for Minnesota for 35 yards. It is what it is. Can't take it back. Just inopportune time, time after time after time, it seemed like yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And it was one of those situations where first half, I thought all those penalties were properly assessed. I thought the Saints looked sloppy. I thought they looked unprepared early in the game. And the penalties on that final drive that Minnesota oh. had, or the second, it's just tough, right? It's one of those situations where I hate being that person that says, man, officiating has to be better. But I see Marshawn Lattimore get his face mask pulled on a deep ball. And he yes. gets called for P.I. And, and at first that's infuriating, but then... Later on, Chris Olave gets a deep pass his way, and there is some hand fighting there, and that one's a no call. So I just would love to see some consistency there. That doesn't change the fact that the Saints right now are undisciplined. They have to get that straightened out. But in late-game situations, officiating does have to be better. So it's a little bit of a give-and-take here. I do think that the Saints need to make sure that they're not sloppy early in games and don't put yourself in a position where a bad call can hurt you. But right now... With the way that whole game played out, it just wasn't a great look, in my opinion, for the NFL in terms of consistency. I'm with you. Uh, Chris, the other thing is, you know, I I equate things to the basketball game. And, you know, you know who the best player is. Are you going to do everything you can? You can't stop them, but you can contain them. You can slow them down by dictating your defense specifically for that player. All season long, whether it's Corderell Patterson or Christian McCaffrey or Justin Jefferson yesterday, Saints keep letting the best players have their best games against them. Hey, we got to figure out a way to make the ball go somewhere else, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's it's one of those situations where I think in, and maybe this is the, the, I guess, the toughness of being a head coach. Dennis Allen is defense court. I have no doubt in my mind that they're taking away the other team's best weapon and they're not letting them beat them. And I don't know if there's too much responsibility on the plate right now. I don't think, I don't know if maybe they need to make more adjustments or what it may be, but I agree with you. There was a point in the, the first half of the Vikings game that it was very clear. They were going to just force feed Justin Jefferson if they had to. And I think as a head coach, you've got to make those adjustments and find a way to say, okay, Adam Thielen's got to be us or Irv Smith Jr. has got to be us. Anyone else but Thank Justin you. Jefferson and to your point, Jordy, look at the next couple of games uh, versus a DK Metcalf of Seattle versus a Jamar Chase of, of the Bengals versus DeAndre Hopkins coming back from a suspension against the Cardinals. Are we now to expect that those guys will have big games? Because that's the way the, the trend has been the last couple of weeks. I hope that isn't the case. So I think it's going to be uh, a little bit of a gut check time for this defense and more importantly, the coaching staff of figuring out how do we stop the best guy. 
All right. Well, um, one in three, they are who they are, but there's still hope. So we'll see if we get some players back, see if they can play better, play smarter. Um, and let's get a win. I don't care how it happened. Let's get a win. But, uh, but thank you as always, man. You're the best. Thank you so much for having me, Jordy. All right, Chris Roseverglue with Boot Crew Media. Uh, it's time to kill two birds with one stone. Help a good cause. Do some early holiday shopping. The Opelousa St. Landry Rotary Club auction will be held on Tuesday on KDCG Channel 50.2 over air, Cox 9, Charter 11, LUS 22. The auction begins at 6 p.m. and viewers can bid on a variety of items, including gift cards, vacation packages, sporting goods, home decor, memorabilia, and much more. All proceeds go to worthy causes and items can go for pennies on the dollar. So make sure to tune in for the Opelousas St. Landry Rotary Club auction on Tuesday on KDCG. Tigers made the changes and the adjustments they needed. And because of that, they come out victorious over the Auburn Tigers, 21-17. Glenn West of uh, uh, Go247 Sports joins us on his Monday visit. We'll recap it all when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. The LSU Tigers roar every week here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. LSU hosts nationally ranked Tennessee this Saturday. Pre-game begins at 7 a.m., kickoff set for 9. Tune in every weekend to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Uh, we are back. Time to talk LSU to 2-0 and in the SEC coming after they were down 13-zip against State, 17-zip against Auburn. Brian Kelly said he loves the buy-in and the fight LSU has showed this season, but then he was quick to say heart and fight won't win games against the competition left on the schedule. Glenn West, kind enough to join us each and every Monday. Hello, big guy. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Jordy. How are you? I am terrific. Your biggest takeaway from that uh, come-from-behind win where it looked like LSU was doing everything they could to give it to Auburn, and Auburn's just bad enough not to take it. Yeah, so I, I kind of echo a lot of what Coach Kelly was saying. You know, there's a understanding there that I think um, LSU can't continue to play the way that it has um, against yeah. some of the more, you know, superior talent that they're they're going to be facing here over the next several weeks. I mean, they just – they keep digging themselves these big holes early in games that they have to climb out of, and you can only expect to come back from those kinds of situations so often in a season. And so when you're getting geared up here to play a top-10 team in Tennessee, you're going to play a top – three team in Alabama at the end of the month or at the beginning of next month. You got Ole Florida Miss. wedged you got <laughs> Florida and Ole Miss wedged in there for the rest of this month. Yeah. Um those are teams that are going to take advantage of your mistakes. And so LSU certainly had a lot of them this last weekend against Auburn. Uh, it's going to be important that they clean those up as much as possible. But, um, you know, uh, it, it, I'm just going to be very interested to see how this team kind of responds to some of the adversity that they faced last weekend against Auburn and how they're able to cor make those corrections for a really, really stout opponent in Tennessee. 10 of 26, throwing the football for 85 yards. That ain't going to cut it. What is, is Jaden Daniels 
Does he have the yips? Is he afraid to throw the ball down the field because of what happened at Arizona State? Or what's the deal? He doesn't throw it down the field. Yeah, it's it's not good enough. And that was probably the biggest takeaway from Coach Kelly's press conference today. There was a lot of time spent on the passing game. Actually just put out an article a few minutes ago about oh, that. Yeah. And, um, there's there's He went into a lot of great detail about it. Uh, just to kind of recap it a little bit for you. Um, they want him to be more aggressive in throwing the ball. I mean, honestly, the the strength in Daniel's game at Arizona State was the deep ball, and so I mm-hmm. do think LSU thought that you know he would be a little bit more open to airing it out. But I think as we've seen here in the first several weeks, um, it's it's been difficult to really uh, if that first or second read is not there for Jaden, he's kind of taken off. And so what the correction was was that LSU was going to get the ball out quick on short and intermediate throws um, in the last couple weeks is what you saw. Um, And I think there might've been a little bit of an overcorrection there. You know, he's really uh, devoted himself to being accurate with the football on those check down throws on those really short and intermediate passes. Um, And when you weren't hitting them like you were against Auburn, the, the, the offense was just in total flux there for the first, you know, 20 minutes or so of that game. And so they have to find a little bit more balance between uh, I think Coach Kelly kind of described it today of being on the edge of aggression, but not recklessness. And so I think that's what they really have to figure out um, this week against Tennessee and, and moving forward here in SEC play. No question. Glenn West of uh, Go247 Sports. I thought Josh Williams ran hard. I thought John Emery Jr. had his best game as a running back at LSU. So that's some positives there. Thank God they could run the ball because the pass wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, the running attack really carried them in the second half, and you could really tell um, really towards the end of the first half when LSU got that strip sack fumble for a touchdown. They were able to scrape together a touchdown drive in the two-minute offense there to end the half. You had a feeling that LSU was going to be able to take a lead and that the only way they were going to lose is if they turned the ball over. And so I, I thought that LSU did a really nice job of managing the second half um, the defense really seemed to figure some stuff out in that second half. I think mm-hmm. they moved Jarek Bernard Converse back there uh, to safety for, for most of that second half. Um, and they were able to really run the ball and kind of control the clock once they took that uh, lead, I guess, what, midway through the third quarter, I think, is when Emory had that right. touchdown run. So right. um, they, they did a really nice job there of just kind of – letting Auburn make the mistakes for them in the second half. They got a couple of gifts there in that second oh, half, though. That muff punt yes. they were able to get, um, the the interception from Coy Moore. Uh, I mean, just a, you, you, just some really bizarre stuff happened in that second half that allowed LSU to really get back into that game. All I can say is, Coy Moore, be careful what you talk about. If you're going to talk, you got to back it up, dude. He was the best yeah. player. on. He was the best. He was the best receiver for LSU in that game. But yeah. how was he? He's playing for Auburn. That's that's that. I saw that tweet kind of go viral after the game, and I, it just it brought a smile to my face. But man, you, you if I was Coy Moore, I wouldn't be checking Twitter or Instagram for the next week or so. No, it no. was pretty brutal. Some of the stuff being said about him after the game. Look, um, they're fixing to face a whole different beast now uh, with Tennessee. That's averaging about forty eight, forty nine yards a game. With with a quarterback, it's the best quarterback they'll they'll have faced this year in Hooker, who can throw it, who can run it, 
they got to get off to a better start somehow, some way, or else they don't have enough offense to battle back against a team like Tennessee. Because I promise you, if Tennessee scores 20 in the first half, they're not going to get shut out in the second half. That's not going to happen. No, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, Tennessee's offense right now, if you look at it statistically, is averaging the most yards per game in any other team in the country. They're number one in offense this year. Um, they are explosive. Uh, it's going to be uh, another one of those games, I think, where you you look at LSU and it's going to be about controlling the clock because mm-hmm. I don't think offensively you're going to be able to keep up with Tennessee. Um, I know LSU's defense is going to want to show uh, a little bit more uh, consistency after that Auburn game. Um, I think they were able to figure out some stuff there in the second half. Um, but this is going to come down to LSU's offense being methodical, being deliberate with its drives, uh, and just being consistent. I mean, you cannot get off to – you can't let Tennessee get a double-digit lead on no. you early no. and expect no. that you're going to come back and win that game. So no. uh, you, you've got to keep it close. you got to get the home crowd behind you early. And I think LSU is 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 it's going to be a tough one. I mean, they're they're the number eight team in the country yep. for a reason, yep. uh, and LSU is going to have a lot of work on its hands. I think CBS would like to have a do over LSU Tennessee, one of only three top twenty five matchups this weekend, and the only one featuring a top ten team. But as someone told me, you know, Georgia was number one in the country. They haven't been on CBS yet. If you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? Okay, whatever. Whatever. Um, that AM Bama game has lost its luster as well. But anyway, it is what it is. Oh, I got to co- talk about the elephant in the room. What's that? One, one reception, four yards. Kayshawn oh. Booty. What the heck? It, it, what's going on with this dude? Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's been really shocking, honestly. I mean, I think, you know, at this time last year, Kayshawn had 30 receptions for nearly 500 yards and nine touchdowns through five games last year Mm -hmm. and now you look at it he's at 11 receptions for 97 yards and no touchdowns um and he's dropping balls they're dropping balls easy um, passes but you know I, i just watching that auburn game there were a lot of times where he was open where malik neighbors was open um yeah and and daniels just missed him i mean there's there's some give and take there um you know i think that the, the one thing that I think LSU fans are maybe not, you know, uh, are noticing is kind of the body language. I mean, the body language hasn't it's been great. Not um, at all. They got it. They got to get that fixed. But uh, I, I think if you watch the film and if you go back and watch some of these games, there are some there are some avenues to which they can get booty the ball. It's just about finding them. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a, a lack of him not trying or anything like that. I think there's just some frustration overall with how the passing offense has gone over the last couple of weeks. Sometimes a guy like that, I, I, I hate to even go down this road, but sometimes they're playing not to get hurt. They don't want to affect sure. their, their future. And I wonder if that's playing into his mind in some little small form or fashion. So there was a, a very deliberate question, you know, poised to coach Kelly was the first one of the day from, from Moscona here in Baton Rouge. Just what's what's going on with Kayshawn and uh, and 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 Kelly kind of pointed to a number of different things. It was kind of a mixture of Daniels uh, and him kind of just not being on the same page right now. Um, there, it was uh, you know a, a lot of double coverage is what they're getting uh, with Kayshawn right now, and uh, the best way to get out of double coverage is for somebody else to step up. 
And really nobody else in LSU's receiver room stepped up in that game. I mean, Malik Neighbors dropped a few passes. Mason Taylor, the tight end, dropped a few passes. Um, They weren't able to get Jack Besh going the way they were last week. I mean, it was just um, honestly perplexing how just – inefficiently off the the passing game looked last weekend and um it's just a, a lot of stuff that i think needs to be working there um you know kelly has said a couple times this year that really kayshawn has not been the problem it's just been about getting everybody on the same page uh and and when you have kind of a new team like this it, it, it takes some time and you know i think they have kind of reached the point in the season where you're hoping to see uh, some of that consistency and some of those uh, practice reps start to pay off in games, but they just haven't gotten there yet. He is Glenn West. I'll never forget the last time LSU and Tennessee played. We had different coaches on the sidelines, Les Miles for LSU and Derek Dooley for the Tennessee Volunteers. And it was it was the typical classic clock mismanagement by Les only to be topped by Tennessee with 13 players on the field on the last play, which gave LSU a dead ball, one play, winner-take-all scenario, and LSU's going the wildest, most perplexing, the most ugh game I've ever been to. I remember watching it live when I was, I guess I was probably in high school at the time. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those games, and it was one of the – kind of the final things brought up with Coach Kelly today. He said he's got to brush up on his history, his LSU history. And so we, we kind of – I think it would be kind of a fun idea to give him a little bit of a background every week of these SEC games of some of the more b- bizarre finishes mm-hmm. for LSU because there have been plenty between Ole Miss, between Alabama, and, you know, all these teams are going to be facing the rest of the season. But that Florida – or that Tennessee one there was right, right there as kind of a – that uh, that was less miles to perfection. It was less miles at his peak, you know. And was, yeah. boy, like LSU has improved from week to week. I think they took a step back against Auburn. I really do. They had been improving and improving. They took a little step back on this one, but man, I, I'm much more confident with the coach on the sidelines now compared to the coach that they had back then. There's no doubt about that. Glenn West, um, go well, to Fort. I'll, I'll leave you with this. I guess if you take one step back in a win, you only can go two yes. steps forward now. So yes. Yes. we'll see. We'll see we, if they we, can get a couple steps forward. We mentioned Jaden Daniels. Is he okay? Is he good to go? Yeah, he, he'll be fine. It was a little okay. bit of a knee sprain uh, from what Coach Kelly explained. He could have gone back in, but because of how much they were running the ball, I just don't think they wanted to risk further injury because Jaden would have probably had to yeah. run a lot uh, down the stretch of that game. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it or not, but I'm telling you, once uh, Garrett Nussmeyer got in the game and he threw one out of bounds, I'd never seen Kelly so mad since his time, at, in his time at LSU. I don't know what he was saying or what the deal was, but holy cow. Yeah, you couldn't really see it from the press box. We were on the opposite end when Nussmeyer first went in. Um but you could tell they were being very conservative when he was in the yeah. game. They, they yeah. wanted to make sure they were running the ball. <laughs> yeah, well, he uh, you gave him way. a mouthful. Let's put it that yeah. way. Okay. Um, all right. So Tennessee opened up a four-point favorite. Now it's down to two points. It's 11 o'clock kickoff. Um, again, which quarterback's going to play the best? And can LSU get off to a quick start? That, that, that sums it up to me. It really does. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the, the the way that LSU needs to you know kind of approach this game. We asked him, I, I mean, I asked him a couple times last week just the importance of getting off to fast starts, and you kind yep. of saw 
LSU Oof. get down again, and they were able to climb their way out. But you, you can't expect that to happen against Tennessee. I mean, they they're just too good. So uh, you're going to need a more consistent uh, all around game from really all phases. Glenn, thank you so much. I'll put it to you this way: if that was last year's team, LSU doesn't come back and win that game. There's no way. I don't doesn't, think so. Doesn't happen. But anyway, good positive. Mondays are great with you, buddy. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Appreciate Glenn it. Glenn West, go to four seven sports. The game wants you to face your worst nightmares, hooking you up with tickets to one of the top haunted attractions in the country. The 13th gate, just text the word gate to three, three, seven, two, eight, three, 8100 to enter to win a pair of general admission passes. That's gate G A T E to three, three, seven, two, eight, three, 8100. Get your scare on this Halloween season at the 13th gate, courtesy of midnight productions and the game. One Oh three, seven Lafayette, one Oh four, one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. I went back. I went to this way back in the day. Who <laughs> scared the heck out of me? Never going back. If you like to get scared, the 13th gate is the way to go. We'll be back to wrap up our number one next. Stay with us. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Oh, we got all kind of stuff here on Delta Media for you tonight. A pair of divisional rivals wrap up uh, week four of the NFL season. San Francisco gets the L.A. Rams on Monday Night Football. And you can listen to the game live here on the game. Pre-games at seven. That's Monday Night Football here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. If you want baseball, the Astros begin their final regular season series as they host the Philadelphia Phillies. Lance McCullers Jr. will take the bump for the Strohs. First pitch is set for 710, and you can listen to all the action on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. So we talked about the Saints' loss, the Tigers' win. Now we got to go hour number two. The Cajuns lose, McNeese loses. We'll talk all about those games as well on this Monday afternoon quarterback edition of the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Hour number two straight ahead. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this gorgeous Monday as we flip the calendar to the month of October. It's October 3rd, the year 2022. Saints lose one by just not playing very smart, not playing uh, very well. They still have a field goal at the end to try and tie it from 61. Didn't happen. LSU fell behind by 17 to Auburn. Rallied back to win it 21 to 17. And the Raging Cajuns, oh my goodness, they kick a field goal to tie it and then can't stop South Alabama from getting a field goal at the buzzer to lose their third straight. And that's where we begin with our number two, talking about the Cajuns as they uh, fall short against South Alabama. Corey Diaz of uh, the Daily Advertiser and the USA Network covers the Cajuns. He's kind enough to come on today and talk about the 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 good, the bad, and the ugly of this raging Cajun season so far. So, um, Corey, thank you so much for your time, buddy. How you doing? Hey, Jordan, doing very well, man. How are you guys this afternoon? 
Uh, we're doing fine, man. You tie it up 17-17. There's only 40-something seconds to go. All you got to do is play a little defense. But what happened? Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, specifically looking at the at the game's final drive, um, I just think it was a product of of you know South Alabama players making some um, you know some pretty good some pretty good plays. Uh, okay. You know, they they you know you don't think with a team tied there, you don't really know what their you know what their approach is going to be, right, Jordy? Are they going to you know come out and you know just run the ball a couple times, run the clock out, let's go to overtime, or are they going to come out be aggressive? Um, and, and try to go down and, and put themselves in a position to, you know, either kick a game-winning field goal or potentially even get a game-winning touchdown. And, you know, I think Kane Womack and, and his bunch, you know, they came out and they, they threw that first pass and they completed it. It was a contested catch and uh, ended up for, you know, a good chunk of yardage there. And, and I think that kind of signaled to them, it's like, well, maybe we should try go down and, and try to win this game here in regulation and yeah. and credit to them. I mean, they, they kind of, they mixed it up there on that final drive with, you know, 35 seconds to go. They actually ran the ball once and, and with Damian Webb, their running back, you know, actually broke it for, I think it was almost a 25 yard run to the other side right. of the 50. And, uh, you know, a couple pass pass plays later, you know, they, they obviously set themselves up to, to kick the game winning field goal. So I, I, you know, it, I thought I thought the Cajuns' defense, honestly, Jordy, all night long, uh, just looked absolutely stellar. Um, you yeah. know, obviously they the defense kept this game the way it needed to go to to give Louisiana a chance to win. It was it was sloppy. It was ugly. There was little rhythm for both teams offensively. I mean, if South Alabama would have been held to 19 points, Louisiana wins this football game. And then right. I kind of thought going into it, that was going to be the market. If, if, if UL could keep South Alabama to 20 points or less, I thought they'd have a really, really good chance of winning this football game. Cause you're talking about an offense that was, you know, averaging more than 35 points a game coming right. into Saturday. So keeping them off the scoreboard was obviously going to be vital, but how they did it was going to be important. And, and I thought they, they stuck to that game plan for 59 plus minutes and, you know, and again, credit to South Alabama. I just think they made it just one, one more play than UL did down the stretch there to, to put themselves in position to win that game. Corey, if you had told me Chris Smith was going to gain 107 yards on the ground on 12 carries, I say Cajuns win. There's no way they lose it. How did they lose it? Yeah, you know, I thought, um, you know, again, I, I thought, there's just still not enough consistency offensively. Um, you know, again, obviously, you know, Saturday was, was far and away the best performance that we've seen, um, you know, out of the rushing attack for UL, all, you know, through the first five games of the year. Um, you know, and obviously Chris was a, was a big catalyst for that. Um, you also have to credit the offensive line, too. Um, you know, yeah, they had some penalties. Um, you know, even on that final, uh, you know, game-tying touchdown drive, that, that UL had, you know, they had like a, they had a big holding call on that highlight run that that Chris had, where he hurdled the defender there, and, and you know, it's the, it the run that never happened. You know, they called it back because it was holding, and um, yeah. But you know, there's something to be said. You know, you hear it with the quarterbacks all the time, right? It's like, okay, we got to have a short memory. You threw a bad pass and it was picked off, or it was you know too long, too short. You know, got a short memory, got to go on the next play and credit the offensive line. The very next play, I think they ran, if I remember correctly, they ran Chris Smith again. Uh, and he, and he got another big gain. And so, 
um, you know, that was, to me, that was kind of it. I thought late in the game there in the fourth quarter, 12 minutes in, um, you know, that was probably the best we've seen the offensive line look from a communication standpoint, from a technique mm-hmm. standpoint, from, you know, uh, you know, Dev talked a little bit about it today in this press conference, you know, where they were striking, you know, defensive linemen at their points of attack. So it was probably the best they've done since the second half of the Eastern Michigan game three weeks ago. And so that's what they have to do. They have to, they have to take what they did in the last 12 minutes against South Alabama, Jordan, and they have to figure out a way to get that play consistently through four quarters of a football game. Maybe this off week for them can, can help them in their journey to get there. But, you know, when they come out, when they come out of this off week, they got to go to Huntington, West Virginia and play in what I honestly believe is probably the toughest place to win a football yeah. game in the Sun Belt Conference now at Marshall. It's going to yep. be that Wednesday night game is going to be really tough uh, for Louisiana. Boy, they've had a, um, boy, as Marshall had an up and down year. Uh, heck, they beat Notre Dame 26 uh, 21. They lose to Bowling Green by three. Uh, and now this this will be a Wednesday nighter, uh, October the 12th. Uh, so it's one of those weird welcome to the, uh, the Sunbelt conference where they'll play any day of the week to get on television. I understand that. Um, and so you just got to do what you got to do. Um, tell me about the quarterback position. Uh, Chandler feels a, a little hurt. I didn't know if he was going to play or not. Uh, Ben Rulridge comes in, played the final two drives of the first half feels doesn't return to the game. Is Woolridge the new starting quarterback now? Well, I, you know, I think it's I think it remains to be seen, Jordy. Um, you know, again, you, you, there's you know rarely any silver linings, right, to, to, to mm-hmm. losing a a starter to injury. Um, but you know this this thing with Chandler Fields, you know, does come you know right in, in, into an off week. You know, so there's extra time for him to you know uh, deal with the injury. Obviously, there's there's going to be further evaluation. Um, you know, on what Chandler Fields is dealing with, um, you know, and they're going to, you know, they're going to try, you know, Death talked today about they were going to try to, you know, kind of get him some snaps during practice this week to kind of see how, you know, his body reacts and, and how it holds up and, and how he feels, you know, obviously as they get closer to, you know, the 12th when they have to uh, play Marshall at their place. And so, um, I, I even if Chandler is a no go uh, for the Marshall game on the 12th, and, and they roll with Ben Woolridge uh, the whole game that night, I still don't think that that you know gives him the starting position, or okay. it, it it removes Chandler from the starting quarterback position. I do still think that we will we will continue to see um, you know the the two quarterback plan that we've seen through the first month month plus of this season. Um, I, I just think Des, you know, just with getting to know him, you know, since I've been on this beat for just a few months, he, he's such a loyal guy. And I think he's not gonna, there's no way he's going to turn his back on Chandler fields, you know, just because he had to, you know, be removed from a game because he wasn't quite feeling himself because of an injury that he knew he had yeah. coming into a game. Okay. Uh, I just don't see that happening. And so I think we'll, we will continue to see both of these quarterbacks play. Um, now, you know, if Woolridge goes up to, to Marshall and, and has a magnificent performance, does sure. it create more of a question? Sure. Um, but I still just don't see uh, Desimo, um, 
you know, removing field, you know, from the picture altogether. Let me ask you this question. Um, Wilbert was 18 of 29. That's, that's good. 90 yards. Are they afraid to throw the ball down the field? (laughs) Well, you know, 18 completions, that's that's five yards a pop, big guy. Five. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, yeah, if you look at the box score, right, it certainly suggests that, you know, that they're, um, you know, just throwing the ball to the flats, right, or throwing quick screens or something like that. Uh, look, here's the problem, Jordy, and this, this has okay. actually been a problem all season long for this offense. All right. And, and it's so strange because I still, even to this day, even amidst this issue, I still think the wide receiver position is probably the deepest and most talented unit of any on this football team. But they are dropping the football. These these receivers have had issues this year with drops. And, you know, Michael Jefferson, who I still believe is a is a is purely an NFL NFL caliber football player, he's he's had he's had some drops this year, you know. Um, you know, Peter LeBlanc has had some drops. Uh, you know, John Stevens Jr. has had some drops. I mean, these guys, um, you know, they're supposed to catch the ball. And, and obviously mm-hmm. there's, you know, sometimes there's been balls delivered, you know, a uh, step too late or, or step too early. Um, but there's been, t- there's been times where the receivers have dropped these balls. So it's not a, it's not a, I think they're actually challenging defenses enough vertically. Um, it's, it, it's the execution of the deep balls that's hurting, <laughs> you know, yeah. whether it's fields or Woolridge in the game and you look at their stat line, you know, after the game, it's like, wow, they threw the ball 30 times and they completed 20 of them for, you know, 190 yards. Why isn't he over 200 yards? Well, it's because there was probably three to four drops in there. Um, and so that's something that really needs to get cleaned up. And, you know, I thought by this point in the year, you know, that's something that they, that they could, uh, but it, it continues to, to be a reoccurring thing for this offense. And, um, you know, what's the solution? Maybe you try to throw the ball to the tight ends more. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Or, or you try to get these guys in, in, in just obvious pass-catching situations, i.e. maybe you do dial up more RPOs and, and more screens. I'm not entirely sure how you fix drops. Um, it's obviously a lack of focus. So you just got to figure out a way to get these guys more focused. Well, if I had to give an MVP award, it, there's no doubt who it is. It goes to Eric Guerrero, another punt return for another touchdown. Without this cat, I don't know where the Cajuns are. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, Jordy, I mean, you know, they, they, they call, you know, they got units on their special teams, right, that they call game changers. And, and it, listen, I think if any, if any player on this UL football team for 2022 embodies uh, the, the word game changer, it's certainly Garrar. Um, this guy, you know, he's got two punt returns for a touchdown this year. Um, I think that, I think he has three for his career, which I believe now ties him for the school record. Uh, and, and the guy that he's tied with, his name is escaping me, but uh, there's, you know, he's got three, so that's tied for the school record. So if he's able to pull this off again before the end of the year, he will he will own that record, you know, for UL. Um, Got to be. Is it just, Brian Mitchell? Maybe the only one I can no, think of. Brian Mitchell's pretty yeah, good return man. Yeah, the name is escaping me, but um, it, it's not him. But okay. yeah, I mean, this guy, you know, he look he he's he's flipped fields. Um, you know, he's he set his offense up with short field positions multiple times this year. Obviously, he's he's found the end zone twice. 
uh, I, you know, if I if I'm an opposing team, I don't uh, why I'm punting the the ball to this guy. I, I, I'm a fool. Uh, but but teams continue to do it, and he, and he continues to make them pay. Um, it, he just the but when he does these things, I think is very important. Yeah, you know, it's one thing to return a punt, you know, in the fourth quarter when your team's up thirty. But but this guy, yeah. It's returning these punts for scores when the offense is sputtering and somebody needs to provide a spark, and he's and he and he did it against uh, Eastern Michigan. No, I'm sorry, he did it against Southeastern Louisiana in the season opener when the offense was sputtering and, and kind of looking like it was on roller skates a bit and kind of got them jolted a little bit. And then he did it this past Saturday when the offense again, you know, first play of the game, you know, Chandler Fields throws an interception and you kind of looking around, and you're going. Oh man, here we go with the offense again. Well, yeah. you know, a few drives later, Eric Garrard's, you know, returning a punt 69 yards for a touchdown and and then you just you just immensely already feel better about yourself. And uh that's just kind of what he brings to this team and I I you know, I would say through five games he's he's your MVP just by what he does yeah. in the return game as well as what he's able to do defensively. Well, something's going to have to give uh, a week from Wednesday, both uh, Marshall and Louisiana, both winless in league play. Marshall's 0-1, the Cajuns 0-2. They've lost three in a row. Golly, got to get some offensive production, big guy. The defense can only do so much. And you got to, you know, I hate to say it, the kicking game's had some issues as well. Uh, you miss some gimmies, you make a long one. But, you know, in these kind of games, you got to make those things. So not throwing anybody under the bus. But it is what it is, and we shall see. But thank you, as always, for uh, for your time. Um, and we'll see how the Cajuns fare. Uh, like you said, uh, I've been up there. That's a, that's a raucous crowd up there in West Virginia, and they love their We Are Marshall thundering herd. So thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jordy. Y'all take care. We'll right. talk soon. You, you got it, my friend. Take care. Time to face your worst nightmares. With the game's 13th gate giveaway, we have your VIP tickets for the legendary haunted house attraction. That way you can scream over and over and over again while others, they're still waiting in line. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. Doesn't everybody want to have a VIP ticket? Come on, win a pair to the 13th gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Next up, McNeese, losers to Incarnate Word. And it seems like we got a little rivalry working after what they did. The legendary Jim Gazzola joins us next here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Stay with us. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back. Time to talk about our good friends, the McNeese Cowboys, as uh, they travel to San Antonio and... um, Ran into uh, Lindsey Scott Jr. and University of Incarnate Word uh, and uh, lost to the 11th-ranked Cardinals in Tom Benson Stadium, 48-20. to 20. Jim Gazzola here to, from the American Press to recap things, and it appears to me, Jim, that we've got ourselves a little rivalry now because of the way uh, Incarnate Word handles themselves late in ball games. Would that be a... 
a fair assessment? Oh, yeah. we uh, little history being made. Second time in 19 months, second time in uh, four games. So, <laughs> yes, run it up. <laughs> What's up with that? As they, as they said in Remember the Titans, run it up. Run it up. What are they doing that for? What's up with that? Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons. Uh, you could go back to their history, and they don't know how to take a victory formation because they've never done it much. Um, Ooh. You could say it's because <laughs> McNeese left them at the altar when they left and didn't go to the whack with them. You could say that okay. there's jealousy because uh, the, the way the programs have been. I mean, they're, you know, they're 11th-ranked team in the country, and they can draw only 2,300, and half of them are McNeese fans. Uh, so there's a lot of things, um, but I think they're just trying to make a name for themselves. I got gotcha. you. All right, Jim Gazzola with us. Look, the, don't, the score's misleading, right? This thing was pretty close. Uh, it's 28 to 20 with almost a full quarter left to play, so McNeese must have been doing some good things. Can you tell me and share those with me, please? Yeah, they could run the football, uh, and their defense played over the top. Uh the, the fact of the matter is, and we saw this with Montana State, we saw this with the Rice, they can play with these teams to an extent. They don't have mm-hmm. the depth, they don't have the number of talented bodies yet, um, and they don't make the plays. And, and, I'll, and I'll point this out real quick. They dropped two touchdown passes. It would have been tough touchdown passes, but two touchdown passes in the end zone. Incarnate mm. Word didn't drop those passes. When it was 4th yeah. and eleven. At, the, at midfield right before the half, and it was when it should have been 14-14, but it's 14-10 because they dropped the touchdown pass. Incarnate Ward gets that first down and then scores the touchdown with four seconds left before the half. McNeese doesn't do that yet. They don't have, they don't have the playmakers to do that yet, and that's, that's why he's recruiting the junior colleges hard this week mm-hmm. uh, during the bye week. I gotcha. Um haven't fared well in San Antonio. I rigged your column. Last three trips to UIW outscored 124 to 34. Some places you just don't play well, and that seems to be, uh, although it, although I think I still think McNeese played pretty darn well. They, they had it right there, then they just kind of ran out of gas, it seems like. Yeah, they did. And, and they, they got, once you get behind to a certain extent, you can't play the run game and the long game. Right. And that's just not their game. So they had right. to play catch up, and they, they, that's when it kind of fell apart on them. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's ever since they won fifty five to seven there, it's been a house of horrors for them. <laughs> Jim Gazzola, um with us. So a bye week this week, um, and uh, who's next up for you guys? Uh, Texas Commerce. Now, this is where the season gets interesting, Jordy. We didn't think they'd win at Montana State. We didn't think right. they'd win at Rice. We thought they might win at Alcorn. That's the one that hurts. Yeah, And we didn't hurts. think they'd win at Incarnate Word. But if you – I did some math for you. I, I was okay. told there'd be no math, but I did some math for you. And uh, the next six and final six uh, on the board for McNeese, five of those – have a combined record of five and seventeen. Okay, they're not playing okay. eighty-five Bears. I, I think we're talking about everybody but southeastern Louisiana. So I think we're talking Texas A&M, Commerce, Nichols, Eastern Illinois, HBU, and Lamar. So HCU. Uh, oh, got, oh, they changed their name to HCU. 
HCU. Okay. They are Houston Christian now. Okay. Um, the Christians have overtaken the Baptists. Wow. What's up with that? Uh, I, just, I, I have no never idea. Mind. I just never a, mind. I got a um, memo on it last week, and everything got changed. So, did the did did the Cowboys uh, take a step forward? Albeit in a loss, did they take? Are, are they still progress? It seems like they're progressing, even though they're not getting the results they always want. They're better, but they're still the same. There, there were still the six sacks. There were still the drop passes. There were still mm. some missed opportunities that just kind of kills them. Um, so I'd say they, they took two steps forward, but one step back. Um, they're getting there, but it is, it is a slow, slow grind. Yeah. People just have to be patient. Let this coach get the players that he needs um, in. Yeah, he needs and to tell you. Let him, you know, that's the key. you got to be patient. And, they, and the, the fans will be, you know, they still they still lead the conference in, in attendance by double. Wow. Um, and you, you take any two games that have been played in the conference and they don't match up to McNeese's biggest crowd. So that there's that's why I say it's it's still there for them. It's just how do they get there? Do they can they find the talent to get there now that all the all the facilities are getting back up and running? Will people come here? Can can golf become the ultimate salesman and sell the program? Right. Um, what about that forty-year-old quarterback, Lindsey Scott? I, I mean, seven <laughs> touchdowns. He's in charge of all of them. He uh, he's good. Uh, he yeah. wasn't good. La- the funny thing is, when we last saw Lindsey Scott in Lake Charles, he was at Nichols, and they knocked him out as far as they didn't knock him out of the game. What they did was they made him look so bad that he got yeah. benched and ended up transferring. So it, wow. it, it's a weird thing. Is I have, That's the best game I've seen Lindy Scott play, and I've seen him play for three years in this league. Um, yeah. So it, it's an interesting kind of combination of what's the real Lindsey Scott? Is it the system? Is it him? Uh, but he, he was good the other night. And Grimes is Taylor Grimes is a tremendous NFL-caliber receiver. He had yeah. three touchdown catches. He's the real deal. And he's the huh. difference in their program to me. So they threw it well. They ran it well. Uh, Scott had about 383 yards of total offense, um, 141 yeah, coming hey, in the fourth know, quarter. I, people say that, but remember, he's under 300 yards passing until the fourth quarter. Right. And a right. lot of it came garbage time on the last two drives. That's when I, they, they controlled him. They didn't stop him, though. And they get yeah. turnovers. Well, I'm surprised your quarterbacks are still upright as many times as they've been hit. My goodness <laughs> gracious. Gosh. They are they are suing for lack of support, yes. <laughs> they are brutal, brutal, brutal. What's Jim Gazzola gonna do with a weekend off? What are you gonna do? Uh I don't, somebody asked me to cover uh Tennessee uh LSU and I said, you know what, I'm gonna do family stuff. Good for you. Good for I don't need to, you. I don't need All to right. watch real football. I guess. All right. Well, get these guys healthy. Keep your quarterbacks upright, and let's take care of uh, Texas. Where's Texas Commerce? What town is that in? Uh, it is in the city of Commerce, which is uh, somewhere near Dallas. Okay. Up Dallas way. <laughs> All right. Well, have a nice little to trip to head Commerce to, yet, to uh, Lake Charles. I'm looking forward to that trip. Well, uh, that, that's a winnable game there, right? I mean, that's when you—that's when when you look at the schedule, you're going, okay, that's uh, we can win that one. They're they're 
they're all winnable from here on out. Even Southeastern does not play well in Lake Charles. The last okay. three times when Nice has played Lake Charles, uh, played Southeastern, they've had the ball and were driving for the winning scores in the fourth quarter and either missed an ex- a field goal, turned the ball over. They turned the ball over at the two yard line once. They mm. they play well against Southeastern. Um, but all the, the rest of the games, yeah, they're winnable. But, uh, you know, unfortunately with this team, they're also losable. They're all losable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can say that a lot about a lot of teams, man. A lot of yeah. teams. I think that Southeastern game on October 29th, I think that's going to be the best crowd of the year. Because I know the Lions, will they'll line up and they'll make the trip. Yeah, but that or the Lamar game at the end of the year. Lamar, Lamar comes here very well because it's an hour away. That is true. That is true. All right, Jim. Uh, enjoy the family stuff this week and uh we we will talk soon but i always always appreciate your candor and your humor very good uh we what what does not kill us makes us stronger jordy (laughs) boy you sound like my you sound like my mama now golly god bless her love her all right big guy thank you very much that is uh the the multi-talented jim gazola second show coming up at nine o'clock tonight um, he's got some comedic value. There is no doubt about it. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's take a quick time out here. I think I've covered. Oh, no, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues if you have them. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. About a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple. So go sign up today. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. More on the Tigers next here on the Jordy Helper Show on the Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home. For the LSU Tigers, 11 o'clock kickoff, pregame show 9, kickoff 11 a.m., brunch with the Tigers as they take on 8th-ranked Tennessee. Big-time game. We'll talk to Blake next here. Stay with us. Jordy Holberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? Please wash your hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you can hit my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the Blonde Bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holberg and the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we welcome you back. Time on this Monday to bring in our good friend from the Are You Serious podcast to talk all things LSU. That's the one and only Mr. Blake Rafino. After the Tigers uh, fell behind 17 zip, they rallied back to win it 21 to 17. I surmise it as LSU did everything they could to kind of give the game to Auburn. Auburn's just so bad that they couldn't take it and run with it, but there's some positives there, and let's get Blake's opinion of everything. So, big guy, um, you had to be pleased with the fact that LSU got that run game going, big guy. How are you? Doing good, Jordy. And, yeah, I'm pretty happy that they got it going. Anytime you rush for a net of over 195 yards, which LSU did have, um, it's always a very impressive day. Uh, best game John Emery's played by far. Yeah, without a question, you know, running with a purpose, you know, I, I mean, 
And even the fumble, you know, the offensive line had a very bad play. Garrett Nussmeyer walked up to the line and walked up to the left side and the right side, and they had a confusion, and both guards pulled and hit one another. Um, but other than that, you know, Jordan, he still got to protect the football, but yep. I thought it was easily his most productive game without question. Uh, yeah, no question about that. All right, so um... – what else did you gather from uh, from that game? What uh, I mean, it was a it was a typical LSU Auburn game. I mean, some really big plays, some some absolutely just heart wrenching giveaway plays. This, that, and the other. Uh, how do you feel about this team? I, I I personally think they took a step back, a little half step back, but they still won, and that's great. Um, what do you think about LSU to date? Yeah. My personal opinion on them is I think that they, you could say that they took a step back. But as I watched the film last night and uh, my good buddy Carter Bryant does a film breakdown and posts it on YouTube, Jordy, they dropped nine passes between both quarterbacks. The wide oh, receiver and tight end. I'm getting to that. that, that I'm getting to, That's coming know, next. Um. In reference to the offensive performance, I don't think you can put all of this on Jay now. Jordan, he's got to force some passes. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he, he's got to push the ball down the field. However, he if you have a quarterback that can run the way that he does, sometimes you don't have to if you're that explosive. Right? Meaning yeah. – I, I, I do think that, you know, positive yards always win games. Jordy, no one is going to get mad when you get seven yards. They will get mad if you get nine, if you get an interception. Yes. But I still think yes. he's got to force the ball down the field some. However, Jordy, when I watch this game and I keep hearing people over and over and over again saying how elite this wide receiver core is, Jordy, well, quite honestly, huh. I don't I don't know that yet because <laughs> I went back and watched the Florida State game that was clipped from the wide receivers. Jordy, they had five drops in that game. And then you go into this game, both games, I, quote, unquote, right? I mean, quote, unquote, being on the road, and they have 14 drops. Jordy, yep. you can't have that. So No, no, no. You know, that's, just, that's where I'm sitting at right now. And I think Brian Kelly is just happy that they got the win, and so am I. Yep. Because, Jordan, yeah. you can't play worse than what they did you, no. offensively. You really can't, right? Like, no. And they're not – I don't think that they're going to. So you get your – and, you know, I honestly thought during the, during the whole game, this feels like so much of LSU Auburn last season in, in this sense. I wonder if they know – or Auburn's kids are fighting because they don't want their head coach to be fired. And sometimes, Jordy, you play above your head, and I think that Auburn, as bad as they are offensively, defensively, Jordy, they have four guys in that front seven that's going to be drafted within the top six rounds. Okay? And so they have dudes, but it just the they're so far out of rhythm right now offensively that if you do that, if you do that at eleven uh, a.m. Saturday, you're going to get boat raced. 
you're toast. Yeah, you you can't fall behind 17 zip or 13 zip to these dudes because that's a good team. They're eighth ranked team in the country for a reason. Okay, elephant in the room, Kayshawn Booty. I mean, his bio, his rhythms, his look. I here's the, here's the impression I get, and I know I'm wrong, but I, well, I hope I'm wrong. Here's a guy that I, that I feel like is saying to himself, "Man, I just don't want to get hurt because I'm going to the league." And I, I'm, I'm just, you know, he dropped an easy pass again. And he just, it doesn't look like he, I know Brian Kelly saying, yeah. oh, he's working hard and he's glad that the team wins. I don't see that in his reaction, in his, in his body language. I don't see any of that. Do you? Not at all. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I, I mean, Jordy, here's the thing for me that really caps it off for this team. Okay, in reference to the drives and everything that happened offensively. A lot of people during the game were calling for Garrett Nussmeyer. Okay? Ugh. I get it. I, I get it. That's how fans are. But, Jordy, Jeez. what happens when both quarterbacks start having significant drives from their wide receivers? Yeah. Right? Meaning, you got to catch that ball on the sideline. Okay? Now, he had a very impressive play. They did a jet sweep with him, and he hurdled the guy. And they tried to get him involved three other times. All three times were penalties. You know, you had the the block, uh, the block below the waist on Josh Williams. That was just ludicrous. He yeah. hit him in the chest, and dude just you know was sinking down for the block. Uh, you you had the procedural penalty on Emory Jones, and, and then you had a holding, I think, on Charles, uh, either Charles Turner or uh, Miles Frazier. So. The point that they weren't trying to get him involved is not true. Jordy, he got double teamed, and the way to get double teams off of him, like we did in 19, just as an example, you got to hit people with, you know, you got to hit other guys. So, for example, Jordy, even in the Clemson, in that Clemson Oklahoma game, Jamar Chase got doubled and uh, doubled at times, which then Thaddeus Moss went completely off because mm-hmm. the middle of the field is wide open because the safety's on top of Jamar Chase. If you want Kayshawn Booty to get single coverage, you're going to have to throw the ball elsewhere. Jordy, they don't respect the other receivers. This is the third straight week I've said this and got obliterated on, but now it's come to fruition. They do not. Nobody has shown that I they agree. care about the other receivers. They, uh, Jordy, they targeted Miles, I mean Miles, uh, Mason Taylor 11 times. Jordy, they were conceding the open field, yep. the middle of the field for him to catch it. He drops three passes and uh, two critically on third downs. They don't care right now about the other receivers. That's At right. some point, you're going to have to catch a very a 50-50 ball when you go up in the, the Malik neighbors behind the back pass. Or, I mean, the, the pass that was behind him. Yeah. Jordy, yeah. you got to catch that. I don't care that it's a bad pass, quote-unquote. If you want to be known as an elite receiver, you have to make contested catches. That's just my opinion. Uh, No, I, I, you're spot on. And I agree with you 150% to the point where it's going to be now. Okay. Here's how we defend LSU. We're not going to put all this prayer. We're going to try and keep him in the pocket because we can't let him get outside. We can't let him give him gaps to run. I'm making him throw the ball to beat me and i think our defensive backs are good enough i don't see much separation out there with these wide receivers so that's 
and I'm I'm putting a spy on Jaden Daniels with a quick linebacker, and I'm just I'm, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing as a defensive coordinator. Well, it's Jordy. You know how crazy this was on Saturday. They put Papo, who is a defensive end, number twenty-nine. He legitimately was playing safety, and before the snap was called or before the snap went off, he would run to the middle of the field and spy Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Okay. So do you know? Do you know how you get rid of that? You. So I'll give an example. LSU ran an RPO to Brian Thomas. He didn't even know that the ball was not even coming to him. Jordy, he was blocking on the play, and the pass was so accurate when he turned to get to disgage, dis, disgage from the block, it hit him in the chest. That, yeah. That's the point to me that I sit here and I ask myself the question, why do we keep having some of these boneheaded issues? Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and Jordy, it's not even the boneheaded issues that bother me. It's the boneheaded issues that you have against bigger teams, right? And, and why are you having that against New Mexico? Why are you having this against Mississippi State and Auburn? Mm-hmm. Why? Be- yeah, because now, now it comes to a point where, Jordy, if they did that against Southern, if they did that against New Mexico, well, at least you're consistent, okay? Right. At least I know that the same things are going on. But when yeah. you're doing this at higher levels of competition, that is what gets you beat. Praise God for Harold Perkins and praise God for Greg Brooks. Because yes. if you don't – and B.J. Ojolari and yes. Jay Ward. Because if they – Jordy, this is, this is, as ironic as it sounds, this is a better form – a better coach, Les Miles team. Yes. Tell me – Tell no, me I'm I wrong. You, because the way I agree. they do Look, things, you they let, run the football, you let they Robbie go for 100 and, yards, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, I'm with you. No, you're you're right. At least we're not having the clock management problems and stuff like that. But you let Robbie oh, Ashford throw, throw you let him throw for 337 yards. And that's a third-string quarterback. This dude they're about to face right now uh, can run it like Jaden Daniels, is a better passer than Jaden Daniels. I'm seeing guys running free and, and loose in the secondary. Man, that concerns the heck out of me. It should. It should. And, and I don't think it's all on him. Jordy, it's so crazy. He threw 20 passes with eight completions. And as of right now, Jane Daniels still completes 68% of his passes. Yep. By the way, by the way, we're not done with this stat. We're trying to get it for t- our show tonight. Jordy, I'm almost 1,000% positive that LSU leads the country in drops at least, at least leads the SEC in drops, and he's completing 68% of his passes. Now, I, I will say this. It, again, again, this is not all in the wide receivers. Jane has to get the ball down the field. There was multiple times that Kayshawn, he could have forced it and given the, one of the best receivers in college football a chance, but I don't think he trusts. The only person he, I believe he fully trusts are Malik Neighbors and Dre Jenkins. So if mm-hmm. you're not going to get other people involved, you better get number 10 in the game. Because every time he's in the game and it's remotely a coverage that Jeray Jenkins can – that he could throw it to Jeray, he's going right at it. Jordy, I know for a fact that there has been discussions about not rotating receivers as much and keeping t- number 10 in the game. Because at some point, I know that you got a lot of mouths to feed, but when those mouths don't want to eat, yeah, at some point you got to let them starve a little. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tennessee's played one less game than LSU, and you talk about 
and and I'm a fan of Jaden Daniels, but this uh this Hendon Hooker, seventy two percent completion percentage, nearly twelve hundred passing yards. Divide that by four, that's three hundred yards a game. Eight touchdowns, no interceptions, and they throw the ball down the field, man. They got guys averaging mm-hmm. double figures, um, receiving all the way down the chart. Yeah, they're really good. And, and what's crazy is, Jordy, both of their top receivers are out, and they still fi- are finding ways to get guys wide open. You yeah. know, I went back and watched the Tennessee game this morning. Uh, you know me, Jordy. It's just, you know, I wake up at 5, go and do a little workout, and then still, you know, that's what I'm watching. Jordy, oh, as a starter at Tennessee, Hendon Hooker has 45 passing touchdowns and two interceptions. Yep. <laughs> and, good, and, and the, the crazy good. part, The crazy part about that stat is – is nobody's talking about him too. I mean, he people are talking about him around the SEC. Jordy, that man, that young man should be a household name. He yeah, should be, there. and he's not. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, okay, well, <clears throat> got their hand, got their work cut out for him. They got to get off to a better start. There's no question. And Daniel's going to have to play great. And the defense is secondary, and, and the whole defense is going to have to play better. Uh, but man, it should be interesting. I, go do your podcast, man. It's great. Uh, keep up the great work. And thank you for joining us on a Monday as always, buddy. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Jordy, anytime. Go Tigers. Take care, buddy. All right. We'll take a time out here. We'll be back to wrap it up here on the Jordy Helper show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and first place Houston Astros. Can Aaron judge, please get number 62, man. Come on, dude. I'm pulling for you. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I only got a few more games left. Let's go. We'll be back. Pujols hit another one, by the way. 702. Thank you very much. We'll be back. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, what a what a show. We recapped it all for you. Thanks to Chris Rosevaglu, Talking Saints, Glenn West, LSU, Corey Diaz, the Raging Cajuns, Jim Gazzola, the McNeese Cowboys, and Blake Rafino. More on the Tigers. Monday night football tonight, Rams 49ers right here on the game. If today is your birthday, October the 3rd, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with 63-year-old Freddie Couples and 71-year-old Dave Winfield, who was an All-American in college in football, in basketball, and in baseball. He chose baseball and had quite the uh, Hall of Fame career. Yes, indeed. So, uh, Tomorrow, more with you know, Bob Rose of the, the Black and Gold Report, more on the, the Saints, and we, we continue looking around the SEC and, and, and with all our teams, and uh, maybe just maybe Aaron Judge gets a home run tonight as they take on the uh, Texas Rangers. I hope he does. Come on, big guy. All right, uh, James, thank you so much. Appreciate all you do behind the scenes. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners. We couldn't do it without you. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. 
and be happy. It's a beautiful Chamber of Commerce day. So long, everybody.